Check it out. Welcome to Top of the Class. Hear from education experts and get insights from high achievers to learn how you can do the same. Get into those top schools. Ready? Proudly presented by Crimson Education, the world's leader in university admission support. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to the CGA AP level. We haven't got a proper name for this yet, but we should. Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi. So my name is Mr. Chang, and I live out here in a strange place called West New York, which happens to be in the state of New Jersey. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get that really confused. They automatically think that I'm in New York City, and I have to kind of explain that I'm right outside of New York City. I've been to New York plenty of times, and I've never actually heard the term West New York. Well, I, I would assume there is a West New York. That does make sense, I guess. It's a small, yeah, it's a small, uh, we call the town, about 50,000 people right outside of New York City. Fantastic. And you are a teacher of Computer Science A at Crimson's Global Academy. Tell me about how you got into that. Like, how does a uh, someone go from being an interest in computer science to teaching students from all around the world computer science through CGA? Yeah, so I teach computer science here in New Jersey at a high school. And so sometime late last year, I saw an opening at Crimson and they were advertising for an AP computer science teacher. And so I was very curious to know that other countries and other people around the world um, were interested in AP computer science. And so I interviewed. So that's how I started off. Uh, one of the first teachers with our CGA program here in the United States. Awesome. Awesome. And what did you study at university, if I might ask? Yeah. So I have a bachelor's of science in computer information systems, and I also have two master's degrees. I have a master's in digital forensics and cybersecurity, which is a computer science related field. And I also have a master's of arts in teaching, secondary education mathematics. So here in the United States, I teach, I, in the past, I've taught mathematics but I actually, when I was in grad school, going for my teaching degree, I always told my professors and my classmates that although I was going for a mathematics teaching certificate, that I actually really wanted to teach computer science. Can I ask why you wanted to become a teacher in the first place? You know, so I have to say growing up, I think my dad probably put it in my head from a very young age. He was born in Hong Kong. During World War II, both of his parents passed away. So he was an orphan. Some of his uh, siblings passed away. He ended up in Macau. And he, re- he always tells us the story that after World War II, that generation of Chinese, people told them, go out, get your advanced degrees and come back and rebuild China. And he said that in his mind, he always had this idea, I must go back and rebuild China, must get my PhD, go back, rebuild China. And so... He was a teacher. He was a principal. He ended up doing a master's degree in Taiwan. And he tells this story of, I want to get my PhD. At that time, he could only do it in the United States. And he said that he walked into the U.S. embassy. And that at that time, the United States recognized Taiwan as China. And he walked into the U.S. embassy and he said, hey, I want a student visa so I can go study in the United States. And the counselor said, no, no, no. We just opened up immigration to Asia. You don't want a student visa. You want a green card. And he's like, okay, I guess I want a green card. And he came to the United States. He got into a program at University of Southern California. And he said that he got there. And he's like, wow, this place is great, but there's nothing around. Hmm. And so somebody said, hey, go to New York. And so he came to New York and he tells a really 
I feel like my dad was a um, kind of like a kind of like a hustler of, of his time growing yeah. up. And so he he went into a university here in New York City and he said um, to Fordham and he said, hey, here's my acceptance letter to University of Southern California. You don't think you're any worse than them. You know, I, I think back all these things that my dad said, and I'm like, you're a really brave like person. Yeah, he got in, he got his PhD in, in education, and um, he still talks about the fact that he would have loved to have gone back to China to go back and with his degree. And he always, yeah, I, th- I feel like growing up, I always had that in my mind. Like my dad always said, you know, being a teacher, he's like, at the time I, I was thinking, should I be a doctor or a teacher? And he said that he was thinking, you know, they just keep saying like, we need teachers to come back and rebuild China. And I feel like my dad um, always kind of like put that in us. And I feel like growing up, I always had that in my mind. So when I saw an opportunity to do a fellowship specifically in teaching, mm. I was like, oh, you know, I, I think um, I think that'd be really interesting. So that's how I got into teaching. Um, I think I did my, I think I did that program about six or seven years ago now. So right. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, a fantastic backstory there. And I can see, obviously, like strong links to teaching going back to your dad and his time uh, in Hong Kong coming across to America. So it's definitely in your blood. Uh, Talk to me about what you love most about teaching computer science A. And if you give us a, a little bit of a background as to what exactly is computer science A. Let's start there first, actually. What exactly is computer science A? Yeah, so computer science A is meant to be the first semester computer science course if you were to go to university and get a qualifying score. So this course is taught in Java. It emphasizes a programming concept called object-oriented programming. The way I kind of explain that to students, because it, it sounds quite nebulous, mm-hmm. it's like object-oriented, what, what in the world are these objects? Um, yes. And so the way I try to explain it to students is that Object-oriented programming is actually a very old concept. It's probably at this point, maybe about 50 years old. And really what it's trying to do is to mimic real life things. And it's kind of like you have to get over that idea in order to build programs in that way. So Mm -hmm. for example, um, if you think about animals, this concept of like an animal, you can kind of build from an animal, from an animal you have like, let's say dogs or cats, and so you think about all of these objects and they all kind of share different, let's say, characteristics, mm-hmm. and they can also do similar things. And so very interestingly, you're building programs in this way. These objects are kind of sharing different characteristics and can also do similar things. And they just kind of keep building upon each other. So it sounds like, again, very complex, but actually it's really mimicking real life. All right. I think it's very cool. And through Java, you said. Right. So when a student comes into computer science A, what kind of background knowledge are you expecting them to have? Are they usually someone who's strong in maths or is there someone who is like a gamer? Like what kind of background do most students have when they come into computer science A and and what kind of students do well in the course, generally speaking? You know, I, I would say that most students come into computer science without very much background knowledge in programming or in computer science. They may have done something in elementary or middle school, perhaps some block-based programming languages. But I feel that most students come into AP computer science with no programming background. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of the prerequisites, College Board officially says that they would like high school students to have a, already have taken algebra, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely a prerequisite. Definitely, I, I would feel that there is a strong correlation between maths and computer science. They share a lot of the same syntax, a lot of the same concepts. And I think even just kind of thinking logically, I think you need that strong background in like logic in order to be successful at computer science. Okay. So students who are strong background in maths and are able to look at the applications of maths in, in some way, shape or form is probably where they would find themselves in computer science, eh, right? Like the applying of some maths principles or is it more like maths thinking? When I tell students, because I've, I've taught math and I've also taught computer science, I kind of tell students that computer science, I feel is almost like a concrete way of expressing mathematics mm-hmm. in the sense that when you work through a, a mathematics problem, you're never quite sure if you're getting it correct. But with computer science, and you know, this is a source of frustration when you're first starting off programming, you get to test your program, see if you're right or not. You get immediate feedback from mm-hmm. the compiler about whether or not you solve the problem correctly or not. And so I, I tell students, you know, like I, I think this is actually a very cool aspect of doing computer science versus maths, because again, the compiler will tell you very quickly. And I also tell students that they're actually very fortunate because back when I was doing computer science in high school, we would do computer science on pencil and paper. And I have to say that I, I look back on it and I, I remember struggling a lot just because I don't remember how often we got to the computer lab. And so I don't feel like I ever got the opportunity to just test my program. Mm. And so I tell students like, hey, you just type the command to test your program. And you get the answer. If you you get the answer, if you're right or not, or if there's an error, you get to try to fix it immediately. I said, I would tell them like, I would have to like, think about, wait, did I get this right? Did I not get this right? And here, there's so many tools out there for you to use in order to get immediate feedback. Yeah. I think there's very few teachers who could legitimately pull a back in my day story. But you with computer science can definitely pull that out and be like, back in my day, I had to use pencil and paper to do computer science, which seems really silly in a way. Uh, and yeah, that must have been really challenging to write code, pencil and paper, and then have to think, I wonder if this works. Because really, like, it's the smallest mistake that can ruin an entire kind of page of code, as, as my understanding is like, it's, uh, it can send it haywire and you have to go back and see, you know, where did I get it wrong? Exactly. And, and the other aspect of that that I, I also stress to students is the fact that you also need a lot of patience. And I tell students, you have to be patient with yourself because you might come to the subject with the expectation of, oh, I'm going to write this program perfectly the first time. And as you said, it, it's really just like one little mistake, one missing semicolon, for instance, that's going to make your program not work. And then you have to be patient to kind of look at the error, try to decipher this strange error message that's written by another programmer. Mm-hmm. It's meant for programmers talking to other programmers and to someone new to the subject, you're like, what did they, what are they talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, so really that's, that's the other aspect of it that you have to be very patient with being okay with, okay, I'm not going to get this right. I'm okay with that. And I feel that's where um, I feel like Hollywood comes up with this notion of like being a hacker. Mm-hmm. To me, a hacker is someone who, just kind of keeps working at a problem and is okay with making mistakes or with failure, but just keeps trying. So that's another aspect that I try to emphasize to students that you have to just keep trying and eventually you're going to get it. And that's when it kind of clicks and that's when you'll be successful. 
Yeah, well, I was thinking there must be a lot of like aha moments within your class, right? Those light bulb kind of, oh, it works. Like, oh, I figured out what is wrong with my code or what is right with my code. Like it now works. So that must be a very satisfying moment for you as a teacher to see when students kind of crack that code and, and can see their code come to life. Right, exactly. And again, you you get to see it for yourself. And I tell students like, hey, the compiler is going to tell you the truth. You know, I could I could tell you how to do this problem but you need to code it out. And then the compiler will tell you like, hey, here's the right answer. You put mm. the, the inputs in and you get the correct output. Yeah, fantastic. Now you were just at the CS50, Harvard CS50 developmental weekend for teachers. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? And I guess where the direction of the teaching of computer science is going, where do they think like students will be using it in the future as well? Yeah, so CS50 at Harvard is actually the most popular course at Harvard. It's actually also an introduction to computer science course. They've actually made a version of that course called AP Computer Science Principles. So they they call an adaptation of the course. Mm -hmm. So I actually use the CS50 tools in our course in AP Computer Science A because I, I personally find that they have the most advanced tools. They're supporting... Um, I think about 100,000 plus students from all around the world. They have st students taking their different kind of CS50 flavors that they've got out there. Mm -hmm. um, their programming environment, I think, is, is excellent. Um, the background of the CS50 programming environment is that it's using a software that Amazon bought called Cloud9. Um, there was a Harvard student who was working in this company called Cloud9, Amazon bought them. So there's a relationship between Cloud9 and Harvard. And so Harvard is supporting this environment. I use it in um, both an integrated development environment that they have. And also they have another tool called a sandbox, which lets me do things like create environments yeah. specifically for students to kind of like focus on. Mm -hmm. um, so if I want students to just kind of like practice one particular aspect of the Java concept that I'm teaching, I'll create like a very specific sandbox and try to spell out directions for them yep. to uh, to work on. Right. And I was going to ask, like, what do you think is the major benefits of taking a class in computer science as opposed to just kind of hammering out code and learning through YouTube and, and doing these kinds of things? Like, what is the advantage of having a teacher like yourself? Um, I'm not saying it's like, so yourself, I'm just saying like a lot of people, I think, feel as though computer science is something that you can learn yourself just by understanding code or self-learning code. Yeah, you, you know, so certainly I think that there are people who can essentially teach themselves anything through YouTube, um, especially with computer science. I, I think there are a very small subset of people who, who can, again, just literally teach themselves anything. I think for computer science, again, a different subject than most. And I feel one of my students actually told me this very, I thought, and I never quite thought of it this way, but um, he told me this. He said, you know, Mr. Chang, there is no YouTube video that's out there, which is going to help you when you get the problem wrong and you get stuck when you're programming. Mm. There's, there just is no video to do that because there are just so many different ways that you can get a problem wrong. And when you get stuck, he said, that's really where the teacher comes in because the teacher's number one, guiding you. And number two can give you immediate feedback. Otherwise, if you're just left to your own devices, 
he's like, you're just, you're just stuck. And I, I find that a lot of people that I talk to who have tried to teach themselves computer science fall into this area where, again, they just get stuck with the problem. They're not sure what to do. And that's where I feel it's very important to, to have a teacher to guide you and to also kind of help you debug code. A lot of the time in my class, I, I have to say, is, is actually just that. It's like, here's the problem. Students like, I think I have it. And then we spend a lot of time debugging and discussing code. And that's where I, I think uh, a teacher is very valuable with computer science. Right. And so in an online learning environment, like through CGA, I'm going to guess you just have students like screen share or something like that. Yeah. So we students can just share their screens and we just kind of like look at the code as a class. Students, actually other students also just, we all just kind of like chime in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I try to say things like, hey, look, it's like, I try not to give the answer very quickly. I'll say things like, well, how about like line blank? Mm -hmm. And then everyone will look and they're like, oh, okay. Because as, as we talked about, sometimes it's just the littlest thing when you're programming and it's, it's hard to see sometimes when you're, when you're coding and you're in the moment, you're like, I'm stuck. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, in terms of the applications of computer science in the quote-unquote real world, I, I want to try and get across to students that if you do computer science at an AP level, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to become a computer scientist. Like it has so many broad applications and implications for the future of the world as well. Do you see a lot of students who come to your class go to like, arts or humanities or all kinds of different degrees, like eventually do they kind of spread out and use that computer science knowledge in a, in a lot of different ways? Yeah. So I, I, I feel certainly, you know, at this level, we're trying to expose students to computer science and, you know, what they do with that, they may do different things in the future. Um, so, you know, this is kind of like a fundamental course that people, people do. When I talk to students afterwards, um, they say things like, oh, you know, actually, now I'm interested in things like game design, mm. how to build how to build things, not necessarily, let's say in Java. Java has very specific applications. But you know, once you learn one programming language, you can pick up other programming languages. It's, it's kind of like you have to kind of start somewhere mm. and then kind of apply that knowledge somewhere else. But um, I've had students go into all sorts of different fields. As, as you said, I've, I've had one student who was really interested in theater but she was also very interested in computer science um, just because, you know, I think everything we do now, I mean, I've, I've felt this way for a long time, but, you know, us even communicating, you know, here I am in the United States, you're in Australia, mm-hmm. you know, none of this would be, none of this would be possible. If there wasn't computer science and all this technology kind of working behind the scenes. So yeah, yeah. So it, it it can really be applied in a range of different ways. And students, I think, having that general awareness going into the quote unquote future of work is is certainly an essential thing. Uh, now let's talk about the exam and exam prep because I know students are always wanting to be quite exam focused. So what does the exam look for in particular? And is it they are they like working on a compiler? Like how is the exam for computer science even set up? Yeah. So this is this is I feel kind of an interesting time period right now for the college board. And I'm kind of curious to know how things are going to go in the future. Um, so last two administrations, I'm, 
I'm speaking of the years of administrations, mm-hmm. um, have been a little bit strange. Um, traditionally, College Board AP exams have been on pencil and paper. Um, due to the pandemic starting last school year, College Board started offering more of the exams in a digital format as well. I think my students who took the CG, my, my CG students who took our AP Computer Science A, some of them took it on paper and some of them took it digitally. They were in different parts of the world. And so the course, the exam was offered to them differently. Mm-hmm. Now, the exam itself is a three hour exam. I think this is pretty standard for AP exams. And it's 40 questions, multiple choice. So you have about half the time you have. Um, an hour and a half to mm-hmm. work on those 40 multiple choice questions. And then the second part, which is, I think, um, probably a little bit difficult to do because then, then you're back when I was in high school. You have four free response questions, specifically on programming, that you have to do, again, if you're taking the traditional pencil and paper exam, you have to write it out on, you have to write it out on paper. Um, or if you're taking the digital version, you, you do get to type it out, but you don't have access to a compiler. So essentially then you have, you know, you're trying to work through each free response question in about 22 and a half minutes, Mm -hmm. which, which I think is, I think is pretty challenging. Um, you know, during my CG classes, like we have activities for 15 minutes or so, and, you know, it takes time to kind of think through. A problem and try to solve it. So I definitely, you know, 22 and a half minutes per question, I think is, is uh, difficult, not, not too difficult, but um, it is hard going from, as I said, like a compiler, you get to test it. And now it's like, oh, I have to actually write it out. Um, And so that's the, that's the uh, AP exam that students would take at the end of the course. Right. Yeah. It seems like you'd have to teach specifically i mean it's you know that old saying of teach for the test or teach to the test is that understanding that what you're learning during the year with the compiler and online these kinds of things the exam the way it's currently set up seems to be quite different from what students would mostly be doing in the classroom which is frustrating for you as a teacher like you're going to have to start teaching kids how to write out code with pencil and paper which in the real world, they would probably virtually never do. Is that right? Right. So, you know, the free response questions, we, we always spend a lot of time at the very beginning of class just going through a number of free response questions just to, just to kind of um, prep for the actual class review, et cetera. But, um, but definitely, I think the free response questions are, are hardened that way in the sense that, you know, you think about it mechanically because you've been coding it. And coding, you know, I feel... Some of it is muscle memory, so you have to kind of translate that muscle memory that you have from typing mm. into like into if you're doing the paper version, like kind of like scribbling it out, yeah, um, and and practicing that. So you know, even myself, I I don't find myself writing as much as I used to. I I'm I'm usually just typing everything out. So definitely, yeah. that's I think uh, kind of a different experience. I feel kind of going a little bit retro, but you know, I think the I think the college board at this point, you know, because the last two years um, have been so much digital, so many digital exams, mm-hmm. I, f- I kind of feel that, you know, going forward, there might be a transition where they allow students to take 
digital versions of exams, because otherwise, you know, from the College Board's perspective, they actually have to scan in all of these paper submissions. Yeah. And um, I was when I was doing a training the other week for for this course, we were kind of talking about it. And so sometimes the scans are actually not very good if the student is not using a very good eraser. And, you know, again, you, as I said, you can't expect to write code right the first time. If you're like writing it, now it's now it's even worse. You can't press backspace. You have to get an eraser. You have to yeah. try to erase your code. And if your eraser isn't strong enough, it actually looks very blurry. Uh, the College Board released some some kind of like student samples, and it's, it's it is very hard to read. It's like it's like ooh, what's going on here? Yeah. So I do I do expect the College Board. You know, I think they've invested a lot in making these digital exams. I can't see that going away. So. You know, hopefully, I feel it would definitely help my AP computer science students to be able to, you know, just type out the code versus writing it on a piece of paper. I think that would that would be beneficial for them. So, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, next school year. Absolutely, I think it, it's probably right for change, given that the current environment is just mostly online anyway. Uh, yeah. But what uh, advi- final advice would you give to students who are looking to join AP Computer Science A, um, like in terms of what they should get out of the course or what you think that they should be focusing on during the course to get a, a five in their final exam? These kinds of things. Like, what final advice would you give for them? You know, I think I think just like with any subject, I feel computer science is, is a lot of practice, right? You know, I, th- I think, again, like kind of, I think the very cool thing about computer science is that you're solving problems. And again, you get to actually see if you're right or not. You can, you can tell when you write your program and, you know, we have like test cases and you get to test to see if you're getting the right answer or not. Um, I feel that is something that's very powerful when you're learning. You get to actually test out your idea. You get to write it out tested, see if you're right. I don't feel, you know, I, I feel a lot of subjects are, can be open-ended. Mm-hmm. You don't quite know if you've got the right answer or not. It's subject to interpretation, but, um, you know, with computer science, I feel like you're, you're really creating something. And I think that's a, a very powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for students who are interested in joining your class, it starts in September. So a couple of weeks away, right? Yes. Yeah, so we're running, I think, as of right now, about three streams for computer science A mm-hmm. running at different times. So first class starts in, I think, the first I think the first week of September. I think right. it's when we first start. Yep. And it's going to be open to pretty much any student given their ability, not age more so, is the, the focus at CGA. So if students are interested, we'll put a link in the show notes to learn more about your amazing CGA class, computer science A, which I think is such an integral skill for students going forward. Like doesn't matter what background you are, get some knowledge around uh, computer science because it's certainly going to have an impact in pretty much, you know, almost every career path going every field, forward. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying now, and I wish I had learned it at school. And it's uh, it's a slow going process learning it by yourself at home. Um, so I would definitely recommend getting some expert guidance there from Matthew. That's so. why you got to join our stream. Then you'll yeah, have- yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get on board. Got to get on board. It'll be good fun. All right, Matthew. Thanks, thanks for, for listening to Top and, of the Class. Uh, yeah, Subscribe for future episodes. All right, for show notes and to plan your best future, head to crimsoneducation.org.